Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Addiction. Prevention. Recovery. Welcome to the Recovery Rebirth Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Recovery Rebirth Podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Jillian. And today's topic is recovery capital. Have you ever heard that term before? I am aware of it because a prior podcast, I think it was our sponsorship and accountability ton uh, podcast, and uh, I will link that in the notes. But uh, that was the, thing, the first time I heard about that. Uh, you made me aware of that term, but I'm super curious to learn more about it. Well, uh, I did some searching. And by the way, Recovery Capital has been around for a long time, for many, many years, uh, talking about it in the in the addiction prevention uh, treatment, et cetera, field. Um, I call it the recovery field. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In the addiction field, recovery capital, um, first of all, it's not a city, um, <laughs> but I did you know, do some searching on some information, and it's kind of fun to look stuff up. And um, did you know that Delray Beach is classified as the recovery capital of the USA? Delray Beach, Florida. Okay, I was going to say, where is Delray Beach? Uh Listeners, well, I guess if you look at the thumbnail, you do know that I'm a redhead. So beaches, I, I, I'm not really well versed on beaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, Delray Beach, Florida, huh. touts as the recovery capital, and the reason that they do so is because more people go for treatment okay. uh, to addiction uh, than a lot of other places. Uh, so, and maybe it's some sort of self-proclaimed mm-hmm. recovery yeah. capital. It could be just them promoting themselves, but uh, yes. That's not what we're talking about today. It's not, so. a, it's not a place, it's an experience? Correct. <laughs> Recovery capital refers to um, basically the uh, resources, mm-hmm. uh, the total holistic approach to recovery, the total resources mm-hmm. that a person has available to find and maintain their recovery. Gotcha. So you look at... Uh, not just separation from the substance. Yeah. You look at um, the entire person and all the things surrounding it. So you're looking at things like safe housing, um, Uh physical and mental health and co-occurring conditions. Mm -hmm. You look at uh, healthy environments. You know, are they in a safe place at home? Um, Employment. Employment. Resolution of legal issues, mm-hmm. uh, vocational skills and education, um, 
and uh, also social life and leisure life. You know, so recovery capital builds a holistic approach Mm -hmm. to the whole person recovering from substance use because we know substance use is a disease. And uh, it is classified as such with the American Medical Association and so forth, even though we treat it like it's some sort of moral failing or just, you know, oh, it's just a mental health condition. It is mm-hmm. it is a disease that affects the entire body, mm-hmm. including the mind. And, um, and Recovery Capital looks at how can we get to the root causes of all of the problems that may be led up to um, – you know, the addiction in the first place. Right. So, Mal, as you've said in prior podcasts, and I've seen you type it out in our show notes, Mm -hmm. maladaptive behavior. Mm -hmm. So we we learn maladaptive behavior because we're in survival mode. Right. We're trying to, you know, get by. But recovery capital is a measurement when you're going through uh, treatment, and it's becoming more and more prevalent. But it's been around for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up one of my favorite people. Okay. William White. And if you haven't heard of William White and you're in recovery, you ought to look him up. He's one of our biggest fans and a proponent of 12-step recovery, of uh, all things recovery, and, and reminding everyone that recovery is a disease. It's not a moral failing. It's not just the sum of bad choices. Uh, William White has been around for a very, very long time, uh, decades. I have never heard of him, and I'm, it, I mean, we do try to use humor, and I, I don't want to have this in poor taste. My brain went to Walter White, which is the opposite, <laughs> ah. opposite, because I just watched Breaking Bad not long ago with my Breaking son. I'm like, Bad, yeah. yeah, no, 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 no. William White <laughs> Correct. would be like the antithesis to Walter White. So he talks about recovery capital and uh, – um, it was originated uh, from uh, a couple of guys that did a series of articles and a book. Okay. So it was Robert Granfield okay. and William Cloud. Um, and they wrote a book, Coming Clean, Overcoming Addiction Ooh. Without Treatment. Okay. Now, that's interesting. I have not read that book, uh, although I probably will put it on my uh, reading list to to read it because it sounds interesting the title alone yeah coming clean overcoming addiction without treatment um i'm sure that there's treatment involved in some way shape or form but i think what they're doing is they're talking about traditional treatment where you run into a detox center for you know a week or so but Mm -hmm. i'm speculating on that i'll have to read the book but granfield and cloud you know defined recovery and the um the assets that a person needs to build recovery capital, which is sustainable long-term recovery. So, Jillian, you might be asking, what are the aspects of recovery capital? Yeah, so, I would. I mean, you did uh, kind of touch a bit on the the holistic and all the aspects, but yeah, let's tell me more. Tell so us more. So you got personal recovery capital, the family, family and social recovery capital, mm-hmm. community recovery capital, and cultural capital. Okay. So um, the personal is um, probably includes trauma care. A lot of people who are in recovery have dealt with trauma in their life, and trauma triggers addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it doesn't trigger addiction, it amplifies addiction, because I'm not a big fan of the word triggers. Mm-hmm. I think that was invented in the treatment center world 
uh, th- when I drank uh, and and used drugs, uh, the trigger was breathing. Right. You know. So right. if I was awake, I was doing it. And mm-hmm. um, the really, but the, I would say trauma spiked my yes uh, addiction that was already in place. Mm-hmm. So it spiked it, caused mm-hmm. a, an advanced level of it. But uh, we we look at uh, personal recovery and we look at you know food, clothing, shelter. Uh-huh. You know, if a person has no place to live, how can they recover? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to talk about uh, yeah. You're going to talk about somebody not drinking when they're um, you know, unhoused. Right. Are you going to talk about stopping drinking when uh, when they can't eat properly? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no no good source of nutrition and food. They don't have proper health care. Um, they have no education or they have mental health problems. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at the person first, and then you got to look at the people around them. So the family and social recovery capital. You yes. know what network of people do they have around them? They say hang out with the winners, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to have um, you got to have a, a good network of uh, support, and that leads to community recovery capital, got like it. peer-led support. I'm okay. a I'm a huge fan of recovery coaches. Mm-hmm. Recovery coaches are one of the best job functions that ever hit the the marketplace in addiction. And um, we don't support recovery coaching enough. I know we're supporting it a lot, but it's growing. It's a growing field, and I think we need to pay them more, and we need to value them more in the system. Mm-hmm. Because recovery coaches give consistent support to a person who's seeking recovery, can help connect them to all these resources that they need. Yes, and we talked about that quite a bit in um in our episode on sponsorship and accountability. And I really and I like the fact that it's a peer approach because again, for me, knowing that that person has been where you've been and understands they can relate on a level that somebody who's never struggled with what you're struggling with like that that to me brings a lot of credibility to it and uh, I, I trust that person a bit more because I know they've been there absolutely peer-led support mm-hmm. is so important because you you can't say you haven't walked a mile in my shoes exactly you could say well I've been through that I've been through a mm-hmm. divorce I've been through being homeless I've been through uh, job loss. I've been through relationship breakups. All these different things that people say. Well, you know, you you have a perfectly healthy marriage. What? Are you, how are you going to talk to me about you know, right? Being alone and breaking up with you know, multiple people. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever the topic. Spin the wheel. You right. Know? Right. So uh, peer-led support. Usually, people have been through uh, the situations, and and if not, they have a network of other peer support specialists that mm-hmm. have been through the situation where they can get advice on it. From lived experience. And, yes. And and that's something that's becoming more valued is lived experience. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to get sidetracked too much on that. But the, the peer support, recovery community organizations that help support the efforts of a person seeking recovery. Mm-hmm. And recovery community organizations um, basically provide resources and connect people to resources and provide meetings and, and uh, more peer support. And also, uh, recovery housing is is growing. Yeah, sober housing and recovery housing, yeah. You know what bugs me, though, about that, Jillian, is people still say, well, we don't want those people in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
You know, (laughs) you don't want the sober people. You can't get into a recovery house unless you're sober and working a program. Yeah. If you use drugs or alcohol, you're done with your recovery housing. You're 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 kicked out. You're evicted. So why wouldn't you want recovery housing in your neighborhood to have good, productive people right. working in the neighborhood? Exactly. People mm. who work in recovery housing are usually the first one to grab a rake and help clean up the leaves mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, you know, and all yeah. that. They want a nice neighborhood. Anyway, I digress. So, but the recovery housing is an important component, and uh, and that, that builds that peer support and, mm-hmm. you know, living in a good environment. And then uh, treatment court programs. Oh, I love treatment court mm-hmm. programs. They're a great alternative to incarceration. Um, right. We can't incarcerate our way out of addiction. Nope. Uh, that doesn't work. People need help. And treatment courts will help them. Um, and uh, also cultural capital. So you've got specific belief patterns. Um, if you're Native American, if you're Jewish, if you're Islamic, if mm-hmm. you're Christian. So you have faith-based Uh, cultural capital or you know there's a lot of talk right now about uh, the racial issues in recovery the disparity oh racial disparities in recovery Mm, yes and this is and we've talked about this before but I can tell you the meetings that I attend predominantly white um, and also separately straight like so there are also groups like LGBTQ uh, recovery groups I think that's really important because as we know there's this, uh, I think it's William Moyer, what's his? Uh, William he, Cope Moyer. Thank you. Yeah. Addiction doesn't discriminate, neither should recovery. And well, that exactly. sticks with me. Like I heard him, sp- that stuck with me so much because I'm like, let me think about it. Like, let me think of those rooms that I sit in. They're very white rooms. They're very, you know, like straight cisgender for the most part. But everybody is, I mean, there it, it crosses all socioeconomic barrier. I mean, there's, nobody is immune from it and so everybody should have access to recovery okay getting off my soapbox no you're right (laughs) i'm I'm cheering you on i i'm like i see your (laughs) pom-poms this is uh you know important addiction doesn't care if you're black white gay straight whatever they don't it doesn't care it's a disease that it's like cancer it affects everybody Mm mm-hmm but the cultural differences in seeking in access, treatment and in access, access, yes, the cultural differences for asking for help, mm-hmm. the cultural yes. differences for actually getting the help, yes. So um, and and the money available for mm-hmm. getting help, mm. you know, addiction doesn't care if you're rich or poor either. It sure does. There's plenty of wealthy people that they're you know addicted to heroin mm-hmm. or cocaine or one, or some other drug. Mm-hmm. So. You know, uh, addiction doesn't care, and neither should recovery. So we do need to be all inclusive, and that's why cultural capital, building cultural capital, so that people feel comfortable, mm-hmm. so that a person of color can feel comfortable in a meeting with uh, people who are right. white people. Yeah. You know, whatever. And I, I hate that we call it white people. We're pink. <laughs> white people are pink, and a lot of black people are brown. I mean, so, yeah. Well, people of color is more expensive. Yeah, but 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 I, I'm not making light of it. I'm just I'm just saying that uh, addiction doesn't care, and we want to be all inclusive. We want to help people. Yeah, and we've talked about before, and you know, we will get into um, another episode that delves more into uh, like implicit bias and those kinds of things. But the, the fact that the rates of addiction among communities of color compared to the, you know, white or the whatever, you know, like to people who 
those of us who are not people of color who don't identify or don't belong to that group. You like, could we say have, white people. It's, I know, it's, but it's, because I mean, yes, I get until it. Until the language police change it again. It's but. nuance and, and it's it's splitting hairs, but yes. So white people have more access to uh, have lower rates of addiction and more access to recovery. So that is a huge problem. Yeah. Huge problem. So uh, building cultural capital and making sure everybody has access to treatment and making sure that people who are in a particular culture or comfortable with a particular culture mm-hmm. have... have uh, Cultural competence. Have, have the ability to go get what they need. Yes. So what are the benefits of all this recovery capital? Well, it sustains long-term recovery. Mm-hmm. And what, when you have sustained long-term recovery, people become productive again. Mm-hmm. They get, uh, you know, back on track. I know so many people of all different race, creeds, colors, backgrounds, religious backgrounds. I know so many people over the years meeting them in recovery, and I've watched them turn their lives around. Yeah. And they always end up with a better place to live, a better job, better relationships with people. And that is because they are building this this, uh, system around them. And that sustains recovery. Well, that would save a ton of money. The addiction problem is costing trillions of dollars to the community mm-hmm. uh, in the United States, various communities all over the country. So we say we want to not have to throw all this money in it. Well, if we get more people recovered mm-hmm. and we sustain that recovery, they become productive and they help other people and, and provide services. Uh, I know also a number of people who are recovered and become peer support specialists right so um and and also you have improved coping strategies dealing with the problems that do come up in life because life and you know the globe doesn't stop spinning just because i stopped drinking right yeah so um so we're also mindful of increasing resources to marginalized communities because mm-hmm. if we improve those communities they become more productive as a whole mm-hmm. uh somebody told me it was like uh, have you ever heard of the curb effect? Is it like broken windows? No, the curb effect is, um, I think they were talking about uh, making the little dip for wheelchairs to be able to oh. go up and down curbs. Okay. And um, everybody benefited from it, including the people that have wheelchairs. Gotcha. So okay. um, helping a marginalized community, mm-hmm. helping you know alleviate all these problems for a person in addiction and working on building recovery capital helps the entire community. Mm, mm -hmm. Things get better. So it doesn't just help the one person. It helps the whole community. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now that you might be wondering, how do you uh, measure recovery capital? Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually a, a, a scale that goes through all these things. And what happens is, um, that that people um, who are in, let's say, uh, an intensive outpatient treatment program or something, hopefully their mm-hmm. their case manager, their therapist, whoever they're working with, whoever is the person that's assigned to help them, uh, hopefully they're going through the different scales and measuring recovery capital over a period of time, from when a person comes into recovery to when they uh, leave, you know, recovery. Uh, I don't say leave recovery, but leave a treatment center. Right, right, um, yeah. And continue to sustain recovery, to continue the path. Right. Um, so there's actually a scale that measures all this, and what what you do is you ask a series of questions, 
and then um, you're able to connect them to the resources to get that recovery capital that's low back up to a high score. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool stuff. Wow. You probably yeah. have a ton of questions. Go ahead. Well, I mean, yeah, because we, I mean, well, the fact that so you can measure it, it's just because um, you touched on that in a prior episode. And I think, again, when we were talking about like funding, um, because, you know, foundations or people, if you're going to seek funding to support recovery, um, and especially, I mean, the goal is to focus on the prevention, right? I mean, we'll always need recovery, but if we can, if we can have more prevention, um, that would be ideal, but to get funding for that, they, they want to see, we, what do we talk about? Um, oh gosh. Um, anyhow, so you want community impact, you know, measurable outcomes Oh, the evidence-based research stuff, right? Cause when you're presenting, you want the data and to be able to give that tangible, hard data, like we can, as- we can actually measure this. Like this isn't just something like some nebulous concept, like this is how we can measure this. Um, and that is a game changer for grant money and, yes. and foundations giving to recovery because one of the problems that we've had, a big, big, big challenge mm-hmm. over the years, is getting more funding for treatment. Right. There's always funding for prevention. Yeah. And the reason that there is funding for prevention is they are filled with data. Mm-hmm. They've got all kinds of research and data. Yeah. And data is king. You know, you're looking at when you can look at all these reports and data and show that something works. Yeah. Then you get money. That's a simple concept, you know. And if you say, well, what about recovery? How do you measure recovery? Yeah. Well, I haven't really got anything to show you on that. You know, people, some people recover, some people go to the treatment center 20 times. But now we do have data because, yeah, like I said. Now we can actually measure data. Right. Because I think we will always need recovery as much as like prevention is fantastic. Like we do need to ideally to to curb that so we don't have more people struggling with substance use disorder or struggling with various addictions. But the reality is we need recovery. Um, we need more treatment dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that treatment should be inclusive of measuring recovery capital. So is that, are there organizations that you know of in Kalamazoo that are that are kind of leveraging this um, this data to, to get more funding? Because, I mean, this is, you kind of live and breathe this world. <laughs> I mean, you, you're very much involved in recovery um, and more familiar with the organization. So is that something that's being talked about a lot in our local community? Uh, yes, and it, and it has been for a long time, and there are people that are measuring it. The the, the challenge, I won't say problem mm-hmm. on the, in this instance, uh, the challenge is that a lot of times people leave treatment and then you lose touch with them. Yes, there's not that they're using, continuity. They're using paper, uh, and you sit down with a therapist with a piece of paper, and they go through the recovery index you know, with you, mm-hmm. and then... Um, it's all done on paper. Hmm. But now uh, I'm going to, you know, give a, a little plug for uh, software. Okay. Uh, there is uh, something out called the Recovery Capital Index, mm-hmm. and it, provi- it provides a comprehensive picture of a person's recovery using an online method, an automated yeah. method, and and um, it's it's. Still in development, it's still fa- fairly n- new, but it has been uh, expanded across the country, and people are seeing good results with it. Um, 
just like the court system is looking at um, getting rid of the paper sign-in sheets, mm-hmm. they're looking at, um, you know, what can we do with maybe checking in with your phone or something like that in different mm-hmm. uh, apps and software packages. The Recovery Capital Index allows you to do this on in an online fashion. So as long as the participant inputs the information, they can continue and people can look at the results. Uh-huh. So I think the big struggle is making sure that we have a system in place that provides continued data. Yes. And that was the Glue, right, that you mentioned last time? Yes. G-L-O-O. Glue is one of the companies that's involved in the Recovery Capital Index. Yes. You can actually look them up online. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm going to put They have notes. some information. And I know those folks. They're good folks. Um, and they're working to, you know, get this software out all over the country. Um Mm. So it's centered on the person and and an easy way to input the information. You don't have to go sit down in an office and fill out six pages of, you know, forms. Right, right. Well, and we've we've talked in past episodes too about that uh, continuum continuum of care, right? So after like you leave a treatment center, like that's that's not the end of the journey. <laughs> oh no, that's just that's, the beginning. That's the launching pad. That's uh, you the need, beginning. I mean, you need. Yeah, that continuum of care. So this is part of that. You ever heard of Dr. John Kelly? Yeah, you. we talked about him previously in that, uh, I think, sponsorship episode. John mm-hmm. Kelly uh, out of Harvard. Yes. You know, did an actual study with data mm-hmm. that showed that 12-step programs work. Yes. And they work because of the continued mm-hmm. follow-up yep. support. Yes. And... Um, and, and and basically this recovery capital index, uh, you know, if you're continuing to measure recovery on an ongoing basis, um, and there are other ways to measure it, but this is just one. I think I, I like the idea of online where you could just create, everybody has a phone. Yeah, there's an app for that. So um, I know people that are on public assistance and they still have a phone. Right. You know, so phones are more accessible than they used to be. It's not a luxury item anymore. It's a necessity. Yeah. And you can use your phone to input the information. Yeah. So if we can track more of this data and grow this, and I mm-hmm. think that's part of the reason why we're talking about it, is because people need to be aware. If you work in the in the field, mm-hmm. if you work as a peer support specialist, if you work as a therapist, if anybody's out there listening that works in the addiction field. Yeah. I suggest you look into best ways, best practices for measuring recovery capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, online and, and phone-based would be ideal uh, because yeah. um, that way people of all types can access it easily. And you don't have to be sitting in an office. Um, the more data we can get, the better we can improve the other stuff. You know, right. get more treatment dollars, build... Mm-hmm. Build more treatment centers if necessary. Uh, support more better paid recovery coaches. All all good things come out of it. But most importantly, you're you're able to look at your own life. Mm-hmm. You're able to take a look at your own life and see where you're at and where you want to go. If you're low in a particular area of recovery capital, let's say your social life is suffering and you don't have any friends, and it gives you, you resources. It gives you resources and ways to help alleviate that Mm -hmm. so the goal is to get a person whole again yes and have a a, you know a 360 degree view of recovery you know i thought of this uh years ago um 
when I first got into recovery and then I learned that it's already out there. But I was like, you know, you get sober and then all these other problems hit you in the face. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a scary, scary, overwhelming, anxiety-ridden time, you know, in early recovery because all the problems you thought you were avoiding start hitting. Yes. Yeah, because you're not anesthetized anymore. Right. (laughs) So uh, this this particular podcast is important for people who work in the field. Yes. If you're sitting there using paper uh, for recovery capital measurement, maybe it's time to explore better ways to stay more connected for a longer period of time to your clientele. Mm. Nice. So any other uh, any other thoughts? I, I'm just really glad that you brought this up. And I like that it's, uh, you know, we try to... Well, our audience ideally is varied, and I'm hopeful that we definitely have some <laughs> some recovery professionals in our listener base. So I hope that this was helpful for you. But just you know, just anybody who happens to be checking in and learning about recovery options, this is a newer concept to me. So I'm I'm glad to be made more aware of it, and yeah, and I'm encouraged <laughs> encouraged that there could be more funding for the recovery and the treatment because we have these tangible measures. That can be presented. Um, yeah, so I just thank you for uh, continuing to enlighten me on this journey and to and to share it with our listeners. I almost said readers. We do that sometimes <laughs> with our listeners. Um, yeah, so this was just very much a, this episode has been a lot of me learning because this is this is new to me, and I'm excited to share all the resources in the show notes for our listeners. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Jillian, for. Um being my co-host yeah. for today uh, for this podcast. And um, we hope to see Recovery Capital uh, being discussed more and more often and yes. expanded ways for measurement so that we can continue to provide treatment for a disease that isn't going away no mm-hmm. matter what we do. Right. Uh, unfortunately, it's been around for centuries, and we're really taking note of it now with the population uh, that we have today. Yeah. So thanks for listening, and... Uh, Please check out the show notes and uh, spread this around. Share this podcast yeah. with other professionals who work in the field. Mm-hmm. Let's find some best practices for building recovery capital. Yes. Thanks. Have a great one. Thank you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.